We've made it through Romans, almost. We've almost made it for Romans. We can't say we're really done because we have one more chapter to make it through. And um, Paul isn't done teaching and encouraging the Roman church, and there's still so much for us to learn. So we're going to dive right in today. Um, I found this to be a very rich chapter, um, which might sound strange to say, given that um, this chapter was about 70%. So-and-so says hi. I say hi to so-and-so. And you kind of look at it and you go, well, like, are we reading the same chapter? If you're saying that there's a lot in this chapter, we may have been on the wrong page. But let's remember this. Romans, um, I think we tend to approach it as this like very abstract book of theology. But it's not. It was written to um, a real people in a real time and place facing real struggles Um, He's writing to people of differing ages and genders and classes and races and even past religious experiences who are all trying to figure out how to live this body of Christ thing in a challenging and hostile world. And in case you haven't looked around recently, not much has changed. So there is a lot for us to learn even in this last chapter And I want us, as we talk, to um, note three things. I want us to note um, an example for us to follow. I want us to note a warning to heed. And I want us to see the glory that we are to give. And that's where we're going today. And the bottom line for us is that the gospel of God's grace revealed to us through Jesus Christ compels us to believe him, obey him, and give him all glory, honor, and praise. So, as I'm sure you've noticed, we've already just talked about the bulk of Romans 16 is Paul greeting people in the Roman church and relaying greetings from the people that are with him. So what are we going to take from this? What relevance does it have for us today? And I'll be honest, whenever I sat down to start studying this chapter, I read through those first, what is it, 16 verses and went, what am I going to say about this? So I have our homework today, and um, actually the Reformed Theological Seminary's President Michael, um, President Michael uh, Kruger's um, teaching to thank for setting me on this path today. Um, but I, I've, I've kind of learned through reading and studying that there's two things that we see here. There's probably more than that, but there's two that we're going to talk about today. Um, there are two hallmarks of a church body that is living out the gospel that we see in these greetings. And the first one is that the church should be marked by deep relationship with and love for one another. So look, I'm not going to read this whole chunk of, um, of greetings, one, because I can't pronounce probably 60% of those words. So, but we're going to pull some things out of it. I want us to look at the way that Paul refers to a lot of the people he's greeting. Um, He calls Phoebe his sister, or our sister. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Um, He's constantly referring to people um, as dear friend, and in some translations he refers to them as beloved. Um, He references someone who has been a mother to him. So when we understand God's love and grace towards us through Jesus Christ, it moves us to show love and grace towards each other. And Jesus 
um, just told his disciples that the world would know them by their love for one another. So when we manage to live as a body that loves one another, that seeks each other's best interest over our own, despite our many differences, we are holding out a beacon of hope to a desperate world. So the church should be marked by deep relationship with and love for one another. The church should also be marked by active faith. Um, If you have been here at New City on Sunday mornings over the last few weeks, you know we're in a book, uh, a study of the book of Ephesians. Um, We're in the how we live section. And the last couple weeks of teaching has been emphasizing um, God's desire for us as believers to be contributors, to be givers and servers and not um, consumers, not takers. And we see that here in Paul's greetings. Again, looking through, when we see how he talks about these people, um, we see that uh, Phoebe is probably, we don't see it explicitly, but likely Phoebe is the one who's actually bringing this letter to the Roman church. So she's um, actively carrying Paul's words. Um, she ta- it talks about her being helpful to many. In some translations, it calls her a patron. In all likelihood, she's a wealthy woman who is contributing financially to the needs of the um, church of the body. There are people referred to as co-workers. Paul says some of these people are working hard for their benefit, um, also working hard for the Lord. Um, some of them have been imprisoned. Um, Tertius is a writer, and he's writing, he's likely Paul's scribe writing this book of Romans here, so he's using his gift of writing. Um, Gaius is a host. Um, and one who kind of, the way he, she is described falls in both categories is Rufus's mother. Um, Paul says, she's like a mother to me, and that implies to me both deep relationship, if you think about um, someone who is functioning as a healthy, good mother, is in deep relationship with you, um, and also A mother provides for your needs, supports you, encourages you. So we get a picture of both that deep relationship and that active faith there. Um, Believers should not be content to be on the sidelines. We should be putting feet to our faith. And um, N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, we need to absorb the truth, power, and beauty of the gospel so that we reflect it outwardly. And in fact, everyone we touch with it and make gospel proclamation in all its dimensions the church's chief project. So when we read these greetings, I think we should be challenged to um, reflect on ourselves and think, am I fostering relationships with those around me in the church? Am I using my resources and my gifts so that I can build up the body of Christ and further spread the gospel? Have I allowed my faith and my relationships and my actions to be so radically changed by the gospel of grace. So after offering these greetings to the Roman church and giving us a glimpse of this example, we should follow um, living in a body of believers together. Paul turns um, to offering his readers one final warning. He's not done teaching us. And I'm going to pick up reading in um, chapter 16, verse 17. And he says, And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teaching things contrary to what you've been taught. Stay away from them. Such people are not serving Christ our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. 
By smooth talk and glowing words, they deceive innocent people. But everyone knows that you are obedient to the Lord. This makes me very happy. I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So there are two important things to note here in this warning. What we're being warned against and how we are to respond. Um, The first thing, Paul is warning us against people who are causing divisions and upsetting people's faith. And how are they doing this? They're doing this by teaching things that are contrary. They are in direct contradiction and opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the tricky part. It sounds good. He says smooth talk and glowing words. And those who aren't mature in our faith, in their faith, um, the innocent people Paul's talking about, um, these are people who are immature in their faith, can and will be deceived. So why are these people doing this? Why are they causing this division? For their own gain. Maybe for selfish ambition, maybe for fame, maybe for fortune, maybe for um, somebody paying attention to them, maybe for influence. There are a number of reasons, but all of it comes down to they're doing it for themselves and not for the Lord. And that's still happening today, isn't it? So we need to have a threefold response to this. Um, Paul points out to us in verse 17, he wants us to watch out for these people. We are to pay attention and be on our guard. Um, This comes on the heels of Paul's charge to the church to avoid quarreling about secondary matters, to avoid quarreling about things that are not of primary importance, um, to build each other up. And that's because when our focus is on secondary matters, we are very easily distracted from the things that are primary, for the things that are important, for the things that are non-negotiable. So unity in the body matters. Um, So division, we need to avoid these divisions within the body so that we can be um, aware of ways that we are being divided contrary to the gospel of Jesus. Um, So how do we watch out? How do we keep our eyes sharp? How do we spot these lies? We do it by knowing the truth. We do it by knowing what God's word says. We do it by holding up what we hear to scripture um, and relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us in our reading and our learning so that we can um, be discerning in what we're hearing. Um, So we're to watch out. And then the second thing is we're to stay away. Paul says, Um, Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith. Stay away from them. So once we have uh, identified these teachings that are contrary to the gospel, we are to intentionally avoid them and remain steadfast and resolute in our resistance to them. Um, Verse 19, Paul tells us, um, I want you to be wise in doing right and to stay innocent of any wrong. So how do we remain steadfast in our commitment to the gospel and into our, to our resistance of things contrary? We pursue maturity. Um, in Ephesians 4, Paul tells us that God's gifted the church with leaders who are called to equip us and build us up to become more mature in the Lord. And we pursue that maturity so that, he says in Ephesians 4, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. And so that we won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever 
they sound like the truth. Um, and he right again says, a superficial gospel, gospel will produce superficial discipleship. When we are not deeply rooted in the word of God, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we can find ourselves following any whim. And so we are to pursue maturity in our, um, in our quest to stay away from things contrary to the gospel. And then the third thing is we're to have hope. Verse 20 tells us um, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. So as we watch out and as we stay away, as we remain steadfast in our commitment to the gospel, as we are doing this in the tension of the already and the not yet, we are to remember that God has already won and someday we will stand with him in his victory. So, that is something that is easier to do. The, the heeding the warning and um, watching out and staying away and having hope is easier to do when we are in community together. So this first point of being a body of believers in deep relationship with and love for and having active faith together, um, I think directly flows into our ability to withstand teaching contrary to the gospel. Um, and I am encouraged whenever I, I am personally in a body of believers who are doing that together. So we've seen an example to follow, and we've read a warning to heed, and now Paul ends his letter in, in really the only way he can. Um, he does it by modeling the glory that we are to give to God, and we see this in verses 25 through 27. Now all glory to God, who is able to make you strong, just as my good news says. This message about Jesus Christ has revealed his plan for you Gentiles, a plan kept secret from the beginning of time. But now, as the prophets foretold, and as the eternal God has commanded, this message is made known to all Gentiles everywhere, so that they too might believe and obey him. All glory to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So Paul is ending here with a doxology, this word of praise to the Lord. And this doxology, if we're paying attention, calls us back to Romans 1. If you'll remember at the beginning of Romans, he says that I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. And now here, Paul tells us all glory to God who is able, which is, is um, a phrase that means that has the power to make us strong. So um, the gospel is God's power at work to save us which we saw in, our, um, in that first third of Romans, in Romans 1 through 5. Um, but it goes beyond that. The gospel is the power of God at work to strengthen us, to make us able to stand. Um, it is the, the ability to, get, to give us this inward transformation of our hearts and minds, which then overflows into our outward actions. And we talked about that through Romans 6, 8, and 12, 15. So that, sec that second and third chunk, um, how grace um, is changing who we are, which results in how we live. And then, as Paul is wont to do, he digresses a little bit to remind us of the gospel in case we've forgotten. Um, and I like the way that Paul put this in Colossians 1, so I'm going to read that, this just quick summary of what the gospel is. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. 
He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated him from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. So Paul is pointing out in this doxology that for many, 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 many centuries, God's plan for salvation was a mystery. The prophets hinted at it. All the stories of the Old Testament point us forward to it. Um, but now we here living in this 21st century, if I'm doing my math right, the 21st century, um, it's revealed to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And um, another amazing part of that mystery revealed is that you and I are part of it. We are included in it. And we saw that in when we were learning about um, the Gentiles being grafted into the promise. So um, Paul tells us in verse 26 that understanding this mystery revealed moves us to belief and to obedience. Um, we've said it throughout our study of Romans. It is, our, it is only grace that saves us, and we receive that grace by faith. But our faith will be evidenced by our obedience. Um, faith can be kind of explained and defined as trust. Um, when we trust someone, we are willing to submit to their instructions. If we think about this um, in terms of a parent and a child, I have two little girls, so if I am showing my love to my children, if I am proving to them that I have their best interest at heart, if I um, show them mercy and grace in addition to disciplining them and calling them into the way that they should live, then they come to trust me. They come to believe what I tell them. And they come to understand that my instructions are good and they choose to obey them. And that's the way we um, are to be with Jesus. When we come to know his love and his mercy and his grace, when we come to understand he knows and wants what's best for us, we will be willing to submit to him, to trust him, and to come under his authority and to obey his instructions to us. So, the gospel of grace has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And grace revealed changes who we are and how we live. And the wonder and beauty of it compels us to glorify him. So, I think it seems fitting to wrap up our study of Romans with a doxology of our own. Now, to our powerful God, who reveals his grace to us through Jesus Christ, his son, and enables us to stand in righteousness before him to the only one who can transform our hearts and minds and strengthen us to live by the Spirit. To him alone be all glory and honor forever and ever. And we say together, amen. I've loved studying with y'all this, this year. Thank you.